Hello, and welcome to Tomversation. My name's Tommy Jacket, and today I've got someone on who is in my top four people that I know that I've spent the most time conversing with, having a conversation with, one-on-one, and her name's Stacey June. Welcome to the show. God, top four's taking it down a notch. Like top three, I think you're aiming for. Top four. Well, you know what? I, I okay, you are top three because you're you're number three. Because Right. But I wanted to sort of ha- I don't know, I should have gone top three. I know you're just you judging me here. He should have gone top three. No one wants to be top four. There's not a podium for top four. All right, so <laughs> let me just tell no. you who it is. And if I'm so, third, then you've made me feel <laughs> like one less than I could have felt. Like that's not Look, how you intro a guest. Yeah, true. No, you're true. Uh, so Josh Jansen's number one. We've spent the most time talking to each other. Amy, my wife. Actually, you know what? I should have refined. Actually, welcome to Conversation. Uh, <laughs> my name's Tommy Jacket, and today joining me is uh, number two, top two <laughs> of the people I've spent the most time talking with one on one in my life. Stacey June. Is that better? Hello. Yes, that's much better. God, isn't it funny how like the ego or just some kind of um, it just it just it warms you up a little differently. Absolutely, and that's why I did it. No, I didn't. I wish you could. I wish I could take that much it's, credit. It's interesting that you you know that you analyze that because I think after doing podcasting for so many years, you would start to question whether the big intro was necessary because you'd get so yeah. over it that oh, you're like, do I really need to flog this person yeah. to, you know, the absolute oblivion? And the answer is yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they need to be warm, right? They All need right. to feel, yeah. But uh, this yeah. isn't me judging. This is me no, more this is you looking back for an at intro. me. No, this no, no, you- no. Sorry, no, it's not. I just more I'm like <laughs> now this has shown me that those times were important because every guest was individual and yeah, yeah. generally speaking, I was not a guest on someone's podcast. I was always introducing a guest, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And and I think you'd do it differently if you didn't know them, right? Like I think I would definitely, I think I will definitely do it. And, and I know, I should have just said hi and that's it, just started like that because we do have quite a lot of history. I was thinking about our relationship and – I probably don't even think about my relationships as re- like the respect. That probably doesn't come to mind, but for you it does, like a mutual respect that we have. And I think it's like I find you are very supportive and and get around what I do and what I'm capable of. And I think I hope I do the same for you. Um, yeah, and I think that is definitely – harder when you're also coming from different places, you might learn Mm. things differently, you have different perspectives. I think often when you describe that kind of relationship with someone, people could assume that you, you know, get along and everything's kind of peachy. But, Mm. you know, we often came from different perspectives. We do come from different perspectives. And, you know, may have when we were learning how to do this back in the day, were learning differently, had different styles of doing that. So it certainly isn't that, you know, I think the non-perfect of it is what also really adds to the value of yeah. that comment, you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, It's like the people you can disagree with, you can actually respect the most. Because- oh, I am. I'm so into that. I'm yeah. so in, I'm so sick of everyone agreeing. And when you don't agree, it's like some personal attack. Like, it's just so boring. 
Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, there's nothing that brings you closer than a um, a criminal <laughs> a criminal case that you're both involved in, and that's oh, yeah. and that's what Stacey and I we both we both hosted the uh, Shepherd and Radio Show at Star FM back in the day, and I wanted to jog your memory with a little a story um, <laughs> of something that that happened. I've actually got this is what kicked it off. So I've got an <gasps> audio piece here of this is. When the investigation kicked off, probably after this five minutes, is when the police got involved. You ready, Stan? You ready? Hey, good hook. Sam Smith on Star FM. It is Tommy and Stace, 20 to 8. And you can get involved with this show, 13, 12, 16. And we may even shout you lunch to the GV Hotel. Now, Stace, I've noticed that you've had um, a bit of a crush on somebody. Have you, have you felt this? Have you felt... No, I just said to you that someone was cute. I don't really think that di- yeah. that equals crush, right? So, well, I've equaled it at crush because it's not the first time you've talked about it. Multiple times you've mentioned this said person and you have no clue who this person is. We saw them at GB Coffee here in Shepparton. Yeah, we go there to get our coffee most days uh, and there was a cute guy there. Yeah, and I, and, and I noticed that a couple of heads were turned when he did walk in and I've got Chloe from GB Coffee with us right now. Morning, Chloe. <laughs> Morning, guys. How are you? Uh, Good, thank you. You've been better. Do you know this said person or do you know who I'm talking about? I know exactly who you're talking about and I wish that we knew. <laughs> okay. okay, so let's just give give an idea of this particular person. He was in a police uniform yeah. for starters, yeah, so that was, was straight wearing, away. He was wearing blue, that's for sure. Yeah, and it, so that's straight away for a girl, uniform tick. So you think he's cute? Definitely. Okay, now, girls, when he did walk in, you your head's turned and Stace has been talking about him for quite some time. I, but it was like not even a week ago, yeah. so it couldn't have been that long. So here's what I want to do. Chloe, you you said you don't really know him. You only knew that he was a copper because he was in his uniform. Yeah. I want to find this person. <laughs> and I want everyone to join in on 13, 12, 16. Can we find this cop? Now, Stace, I want you to tell me what you remember of this police officer. He had, like, Chloe, correct me if I'm wrong, because you were there too, right? And we both kind of raised our eyebrows and went, yeah, he's pretty cute. Didn't have a wedding ring on. That's the first thing I remember. (laughs) Um, He had, like, sandy kind of hair, like, was not brown, but it wasn't blonde, so it was quite fair. He kind of looked like Kendall, but not as tall. Like, you know, sandy, like this kind of real cliche, swept off hair, blue eyes. Can oh, you co- he was beautiful. Can you, so you confirm what Stace has just said? Well, I couldn't. The thing is, I couldn't look up. When he put the order in, I couldn't look up at him because I was too nervous. <laughs> he was pretty cute. <laughs> okay. Oh, here's what the bloke remembers from this situation because you, you kicked me under the table. He said, look, have a look. And I said, what at? <laughs> and then there's a bloke with a gun there. So I had a look at him. He was a good-looking rooster. I'll tell you that mm. much. He had quite a... Like, a Defined jaw. Okay. But the most defining thing was that he was in a blue police uniform, as in like the dark blue. Yeah, so we don't know. That's not normal. We want to know, A, if he's a local, and B, obviously, if he's single, because this is ridiculous if we're going to go down this path, and much more humiliating for me than a usual show. We might have to make one of those, um, the Facebook memes. Have you seen that one? (laughs) The really hot UK cop. Oh, yes, at I, the train station. I but Chloe, what I'm concerned about, what, I mean, what Tommy's concerned about, is he doesn't come in often. Like we're regulars. Like you've got your regulars. You've got your people that I guess you know. But yep. this isn't the case with this dude. 
No, not at all. And I can't even remember what he drinks because normally we don't remember names. We just remember them by, oh, skinny lattes here or cappuccino with two sugars is here. All right. It just makes it even harder. So the few key points missing, I guess the real ones we need to work out is, is he a local mm. and is he single? Mm, mm, mm. 13, 12, 16, let's, let's solve this case. Thanks so much, Chloe, for your no help. Worries. We'll see you guys soon for coffee. <laughs> now, we will shout you lunch down to the GB hotel if you can give us a little tip <laughs> god we had fun didn't we oh my god and the the um shouting you lunch at the gv i mean how many of those can you give away like uh, like i understand yeah. <laughs> maybe one day it's like an absolute reason for people to ring in but 17 yeah. days in a row like i think oh, i know i think they're over it Okay, so, wow. So, so the case the yeah, right. the criminal case kicked off soon after and in hindsight I, I see why. But I need to bring this full circle because you might even not remember this. I think I told you after, but it was a year or so after the show. Th- that hot cop w- I found him. Amy worked at an orthodontic clinic. Uh one of the doctors had a party. Amy went to that party. <laughs> he was from Adelaide and his friends were there from Adelaide and Amy was talking to a lady and told her that her boyfriend worked in Shepparton and was on the radio. The hot cop was this girl's brother. Okay, so I do recall you meeting the sister somehow. I have no idea. I couldn't remember how. But yeah. what are the <laughs> effing odds? And what did she say about the experience? Like, was she freaked? Like, was he actually freaked out? Because I don't know if you're giving anyone the full picture, but when you say the investigation, yeah, we literally did. were up for potentially early stages stalking charges because what we had ended up doing was a bit of a witch hunt for a police (laughs) officer on the radio. So meanwhile, we were completely managed through this. This content was put past our boss. You know, this wasn't something that (laughs) we just kind of did off the whim. We all planned it the day before. We were learning to do radio. So these were things that – but we came off air (laughs) – and then what? It was about eleven o'clock, and there had been yeah. there had been so many calls. Like we got so much information because we were a radio content. show, <laughs> and we were innocently trying to like witch hunt this guy down. And then yeah. at about eleven o'clock, the senior sergeant of like the Goulburn Valley Police called mm. our big big boss and was like. You can't, this is illegal. Like, you cannot do this. And we were pulled in pretty quick, smart to the boss's office with, yeah. I, did we get official warnings? I think we had to. Yeah. It was, uh, I, I just remember you and I just being really sad. <laughs> just sad together. Just sad. Not even that we couldn't find him, just that <laughs> we'd, we'd done the right thing, you know. We thought, we thought we'd checked all the boxes. We'd had fun. It was actually one of the best talk breaks we've done. <laughs> oh, and all, yeah, and, and it is. You are really trying to impress. You're trying to do a good job. You know, you, your your identity yeah. and your confidence is built into those breaks because you're living in the country. There's nothing else that you're really doing mm. there. You know what I mean? Everything mm. is really heavily stacked into, God, for some people it's your job normally, but when you live away for your job, I think it is even extra. So we were, yeah, we were gutted, but we also were gutted at anyone would think that we would try and kind of cause anyone discomfort because we did get some feedback that he was really uncomfortable.
remember? Yeah. And we that's why we felt so freaking guilty. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and I spoke about on a previous episode of Conversation with Tommy Jacket. Hi, welcome. Um, Stacey <laughs> June's joining me today. <laughs> no, um, about being triggered, like something from my childhood, which is like being blamed or, you know, the finger pointed at. Um, whether it's right or wrong, but it's probably usually when I feel like I haven't done anything wrong and that was a scenario where, yeah, my childhood reared its head and um, it made me feel a bit uncomfortable. I mean, looking back to those times, I want to speak to you about sort of the different versions of ourselves because I think you've you've done a bit of a shift in what you speak about, the types of content that you do. you know, like on your website, you said that, you know, when it, your buyers were, you were talking a lot about dating, but also on this podcast, you got to, you stopped obsessing over dating and started obsessing over your mental health, which is one of the hooks. I guess that's a version. I went through a lot of our breaks and a lot of it were around kids and relationships mm. and like fast forward to now, you're in a beautiful relationship. You've got a gorgeous son and all those things have come to fruition and you're a different person you're still you but you're a different version of you what do you think in terms of deciding on is that something you decide on that you want to be a different version or is it an evolution of stepping into someone that is different from your past well I mean it's quite interesting to think that I was talking about those things before I had them so it shows you that there is somewhat of an intention I mean if you're a manifester or however you want to put it you might be a goal-oriented person intention and, and being conscious of the way that you live your life and conscious of the things that you desire is the first step. And I think then moving through that is your ability to be vulnerable in that because often people firstly don't really allow themselves to desire for fear that they'll never achieve it. And secondly, when you're desiring it, if you do get to that stage, because let's not assume everybody does, When you do start to desire, it is incredibly vulnerable to desire for something that you don't know you'll get. And on top of that, incredibly vulnerable to desire that in a public forum. You know, it's Mm. it takes balls or boobs or whatever you want to call it from a power place to tell someone that you want something and you're not sure how you're going to get it. And so Mm. I think... Intention is the first key, but then actually you might not have a radio show to tell everybody, but being honest that you want children before you have met someone or before you know how you're going to do that is part of the package. The vulnerability piece is really important to complement that desire because if you're just sitting there desiring it in your own time and not really living what your intention is, even if you haven't got it yet, I I believe that it's quite difficult to achieve. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, verbalizing is another step. Thinking it, and and then <clears throat> I, I find the more the more belief I want in something that I'm wanting to achieve, those steps, right? It's like think about it, m- might be writing it down, talking about it, and then the action really starts making you feel like, why not me? Because mm. and that's what I've been thinking about recently. Why not me? And I. So whatever it is, insert thing you want to achieve, it is a positive thing to be saying, why not me? Not, I can't, it can't be me. Yeah. But just that, that thought, why not me? Th- it can't, why not me? I think there's a process to get there though. And I've, de- I've yeah. definitely had different iterations of that. Like you're saying, you know, there's been a big change for me. 
I'm constantly evolving. So my intentions and desires constantly change depending on who I am and what I'm interested in at that time. And often new desires come when you've achieved the things you desired once. And that's what I think is really interesting when people try to hang on or, you know, don't ever want to change a job or don't want to let go of a relationship or a friendship even that isn't serving them. You know, there's never anything new coming through the door without that letting go process. So I feel it's important to evolve. You know, we've just launched a new business, my husband and I, early stages, but one of the big key, uh, I suppose, um, mottos or mantras or, you know, values that we have under the business is to evolve, not fix. Because if we stop looking at our lives are something we need to fix and improve and start looking at it from an evolution, then you can constantly wish for something, constantly back yourself, like you said, and say, why not me? Hopefully, then you're leaning towards achieving it, if not achieving it. And then the next step is, how do you move through the process of getting something new? Bigger, maybe? Mm -hmm. Different, maybe? Bigger on a different scale might not have to be bigger the way that you saw it once, you know, but you constantly evolve. So I think the shifts I've made feel probably a bit different on the outside to people, but feel very uh, less more like I've changed and more like I've continued to de-layer and return to. Does that make Mm. sense? So the more I evolve, the more I feel like I'm – coming it sounds a bit cliche and maybe some would say it would be woo woo but more it feels like I'm more coming into my own I'm coming closer to myself than further away with this kind of goal setting across the hill that I'm endeavoring to walk towards I actually feel like the closer and the more I evolve the closer I'm coming to who I am or or the more like my true self I am yeah I mean it's you're spot on. Like the words matter. Fixed kind of means that you're finished. If you've fixed something, mm. it's back to or it's finished. You don't need to work on that. Mm. And I guess you could look at the opposite of fixed. You know, it could be like it's broken, therefore needs to be fixed. Mm. But the evolve thing is nice because if there's anything we know, it's like setting goals once you're there, it doesn't feel like there's an arrival, right? Mm. Because when when you arrive or you're in the destination, you actually see, you can see another island in Greece. Like you're at, you're at Mykonos and you can actually see another Greek island. You're like, yeah, Santorini's why, just there, mate. Mate, it's just a boat. I could get on that boat right now. And you know what? I hate this joint. This, these, these mythos beers or whatever that shit, shit. Mm. I want the mm-hmm, one, other ones mm-hmm. on Santorini. So... I've been thinking about Greece a bit lately. Oh, me so, too. Yeah. Me too. Oh, hey, actually, I saw a photo just side tangent. You went to some bar in Melbourne that they've redone their rooftop to look like a um, a bar in Greece. Yeah, I went yesterday in the heat. It was a, it was a bit of a silly idea, <laughs> but you know what? Look, it looked amazing. It was really gorgeous. But you know when people have had a great idea. I'm just going to yeah, can, yeah. give I'll can a little bit of it. The rest was great. They've got a really <laughs> idea and they've like just gone real hipster, like tried to go okay. above and beyond everything. So like the wine list has all the pet gnats and the, you know, this has this. And, and so when you look at a menu and you're like, and I know my wine, but there's like four options I don't know, which I'm not a person yeah. that's worried about that, but I do want to be educated because I don't yeah. want, I'm not a person as well that wants to drink anymore. You know, back in the day when you were like, that tastes disgusting, glug, 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 
and you drank your drinks that you didn't yeah, like yeah. anyway. Now, what a waste for your body. Like if I'm not in, I don't get anything that I don't enjoy. Like it's got to be conscious and I've got to enjoy everything yeah. that I put into my body. So I was like, could you tell me about what this wine is or this wine? He was like, oh, nah, wines aren't my thing. I'm like, you're the barman. <laughs> You know, and I think sometimes everyone gets a bit ahead of themselves with the fancy pants stuff, especially yeah, yeah. in Melbourne. But apart from that, it was unreal. Yeah, yeah. Um, obsession, where does that sit with you in your pursuit for whatever, you, whatever you're focusing on? Is it like, you know, the thing in front of you? Is obsession a part of the equation for you? Oh, I miss obsession. You, you're not you're not obsessive as as you once were. No, no. I don't have much obsession in me. However, I think it can transfer depending on what your goal is. Obviously, that's kind of an obvious statement. But I suppose for me, I always thought obsession would be linked to my career because I was so career focused for such a long time, and then I suppose. I didn't have the capacity to have such a stark, big obsession for several things because my obsessions have always been quite big. And I'm talking like even when I was a teenager and I loved Silverchair, for example, there's only so much obsession I can have because I am one of those people that is obsessed. I don't <laughs> I don't get obsessed with, you know, those people that are like, I didn't really have a band I loved or yeah. I wasn't really obsessed with anything. Oh, no, no, no. I have obsessions and they're high. So I don't have a lot of room for many. And so when I suppose the obsession of trying to get pregnant came in, it does feel like the timing of when my obsession of my career left. Now, that could be because the way we have to get pregnant is a very big uh, challenge. My husband had cancer, so uh, we have to go through fertility treatment uh, so it's really logistics for us. So it's it you know it's a really big game. It's a big game that we've got to play, and a lot of people are involved. And it really is a very big goal. Obviously, most people have goals if they want to start a family, but the process is very different. Although, having said that, in this day and age, a lot of people pro- probably share my journey with that. Um, so I don't know if it was more about me becoming a mother that allowed that obsession to drop and I softened. I lost that need for obsession to fill a gap or fill a space or the obsession kind of started to take its form in trying to conceive. I'm not, Mm. I'm still not sure because I'm not done with my baby making stage and so, or my family building stage. So it'll be interesting to see where I land and whether once I've got my children, hopefully children, and I move into a phase where potentially they feel a little older and I've got myself, you know, I'm not feeding them from my body or they're not so reliant on me. It'd be interesting to see if that obsession returns or if that is a part of my evolution and I've let go of that. It was pretty intense, Mm. intense kind of thing. However, it was a great motivator and sometimes I feel like I miss that driver or that pusher of the obsession. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I wonder if it is uh, like it, it, it runs its course in anything that you're applying obsession to. So you, like you said, it's a motivator to start. Obs- being obsessed straight away can lead to just 
absolute focus, many hours devoted at all cost vibe, right? And then that can slowly sort of once you're in the middle of it, you need more than probably obsession to keep you going. It's like motivation. It, like you need, it needs to be a true value or you really see it as a big, something, something, a big part of your life, the thing that you're doing. Do you think there's, do you think there's a danger of having obsession without mindfulness? And that's not to say your case, but just in general. Yeah, it's interesting. I want, and I mean, I pose the question of whether obsession is possible, is, is, is possible to be healthy. You know, because I know that obsession in my experience as I'm, I'm quite an extreme person can be on very different levels of the spectrum and obsession for me when I'm talking about my career uh, has certainly led to burnout, anxiety, weight loss, um, different other health issues. You know, my endo would flare up much more dramatically under stress uh, because of the obsession, because of my goals. So, I think it wasn't just necessarily when I'm talking about that that dropped off because of the baby making stage. I changed in order to create babies. I also changed because I wanted to have a family and I didn't want to bring those symptoms of what you could say were symptoms of obsession into my home. You know, that motivated me to change my life in ways not just for them but for myself because I firstly didn't want to inject that energy into those early stages of conception. but And so that was kind of, I guess, the motivator originally. But also I, I just made a decision that I could feel not, I, I didn't have to feel anxious every day, you know. So mm. I, I wonder if you can be obsessed with something and it be, you know, properly healthy, like what the balance of that would look like because I was doing all the mindful stuff then. I was doing much more of it then from the external mm. factor, the practical self-care, lots of yoga, lots of meditation, lots of personal time. I was single. I had so much time, whereas now I'll do five minutes of breath work and I'll feel pretty different to what I did then when I was doing an hour a day, you know. So mm. I wonder even if you insert mindfulness into obsession, that still creates a version of health and if it's possible with obsession, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because you can sit down if you've, even if you've been meditating for years and still just be almost doing the opposite of what the mindfulness practice is requiring of you. You can just be thinking, you can be lost in thought, sitting on a mat, <laughs> thinking about everything, you know, like getting taken away constantly. And so you, you're technically doing the practice, a practice, but maybe it's not the the one that you're you're needing or the the real essence of mindfulness, right? Yeah, and I think for me, when I was practicing quite um, quite regularly and for long periods of time, I still had quite ambition in my practice. You know, a lot of my meditation was for me to serve at work. It wasn't yes. necessarily always to give back to me just as a person that wasn't on the radio, that wasn't looking to get the next step, that wasn't looking to be an external figure for people. It was to serve that person, not Stacy, without all of that, without the costumes, without all of the uh, identity and external bravado and external noise and attention. So, yeah, I guess it comes back also to intention. So you could try meditation in a million different ways and a million different. I don't think there's one way. I see now everybody's saying you've got to have this particular practice or there's got to be this particular style. 
I don't agree. I think every day you wake up, particularly if you're a woman, you're a, a cyclical being, you are going to constantly be feeling you're, that you're different and need different things every day. But I guess what's important and what I've learned is why are you doing it? Because I think in those days I was doing it for more, for more ambition, not to just give back to my own, my own well-being without any mm. expectations of what that practice was supposed to bring other than serve and nourish myself. Yeah. Um, one of the practices that I do, he asks that question, you know, what is your intention today? And it's like a trick question, really pissing me off because I'm like, oh, I, I go to like the answer and then he's like, drop that. So even when you do have mm. the answer of for me, for my, you know, for my mm. state, for, you know, when it is a really great intention, but then it's still an intention. Where So where for you do you land? I'm, that's not to say he's saying don't ever have intention. Mm, 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 it's mm. great to have a, an intention that you're mindful of that is beyond your career and external things and it being an inner state or you want to just be a bit more peaceful in your life. Like they're great intentions. Mm, 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 mm. But then there's still constructs of our mind and their goals and if you don't meet them if you don't get there and that you know there's still disappointment that could be uh, you could lead to trying to pursue the intention where do you sit where do you find yourself now with with that in mind and yeah what you yeah i i mean i'm about to move into a vedic meditation course in the next couple of weeks actually for that exact reason because i think meditation for me i have done a lot of medita- meditation training where it is about the delayering and the undoing. But it's something that I certainly feel I could I could I could get more of for sure. And I think my style of meditation and my style of teaching is still quite goal oriented to some degree. It's nowhere near as what I just explained in terms of what I was doing. However, people come to me to build self-worth or they come to me to achieve certain things. And so the meditation practices that I do are quite mindful in, I guess, building a level of um, confidence in women. So there is an intention to some degree in my teachings, in my personal practice. It is definitely something that I'm moving into this year. It's actually my main main intention (laughs) is to lose that with meditation to become yes. the practice of the nothing you know and the the uh the letting go process without the yeah. label you know that's certainly what yeah what I'm looking to do and looking to train myself in further this year that's the only thing that I had that I'd like to do this year was to explore yeah. that a little further for myself yeah i think the version of me that wouldn't you know that wasn't meditating would probably see the the striving for nothing as like this weird, I wouldn't understand. And I still, I, I think I do have a gr- greater understanding than I did, but I would see it as like, what's the benefit of the nothing? And, uh, you know, what is the benefit of not being clear? And, you know, the repetition of stillness is 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 a win, right? Because it's then what the byproduct of that is within you when you are living the... 99% of your life which isn't meditating for a lot of people and isn't still it's the it's the flow and effect to the time where you are in in go time which is life 
It's also where the science lives. You know, the science lives in the form of meditation that is switching your brain off. Like that is where the real science lives in terms of the benefits of that practice or that mindfulness. Um, I guess the interesting part of this, which I find is is really missed in some of this work or some of these conversations is in order for you to get to the point where you may want to look at this stage of meditation, I do think that a lot of people require a soft intro where they do need a bit of intention to begin with. They do need a goal. They do need to know they're getting something from it because I think as humans, that is how we're trained to live. We're trained that I do something, I want something back. So I don't think that it's um, unhelpful for us to move into meditation with some form of interest on getting benefits or understanding that if I was to download the Insight Timer and this says that it'll give me some extra boost or extra pep in my step, and it does, that there's anything wrong with that, you know. But I do hear what you're saying. I do think that the absolute breadth and the absolute depth of the power of meditation does definitely move into a layering system of the undoing of it all. However, as I say to my (laughs) members in my membership, we have to actively try first and get to know ourselves and understand what it is that is in the way and what and without the confidence without the self-worth we often won't do that so we do yeah. need to build to let go is my mm. practical take on on these types of things i don't think it's always easy and for some maybe to jump mm. straight to this okay, let's undo everything and let's not think about anything. The end, I just think there's a few steps in between for a lot of people and that's where I like to find people. Hey, let's start here, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, a byproduct of any mindfulness practice is a an understanding of your own mind. Um, you know, that I guess people see it as like they, they felt like they were asleep and now they are more observant on their own mind. They are noticing things that they weren't before. Or they're thinking things that they didn't even think before. Like, oh my God, look how messy my mind is. Um, have you experienced some of those, you know, when you first got into it? I guess even now, talking about yourself in Shepherd and when you were doing and you were in radio doing a lot of the practice, did you reach a point where you were thinking, Wow, look at look at my mind. Like a realization about the cluttered mind that we all have. I I think I mean I I it's probably pretty safe to say that if you're a person that's suffered from anxiety for the most of your life, that's not ever going to be new information to you. You live mm. in it, and I've lived in it for a long long time, you know, since I can remember. I and I was having panic attacks at the age of 12, which, you know, and I'm talking proper passing out, you know, blacking out from panic. And it was looked upon like, you know, they looked at me as if I could have had epilepsy or an eating disorder, all these things that were just not the case. They didn't ever have a checklist for mental health. They never checked me in for any kind of psychology. There was no option for me then. So I I was very aware that my mind was – different than what maybe others were. I didn't know that young that it was busy or it was that, but I definitely felt 
strained and stressed by it because it felt like it was letting me down. I would freak out all the time. And so I guess that is something that as you do a little bit more work, you don't need to do a lot of work to start to understand that your mind is busy and for some of us um, not that well, you know. So Mm. I was able to really learn how to – I just always had quite a personal interest in human behaviour anyway, so I found a way to dive into that with my own healing and just wanted to not necessarily figure out my mind because, again, these are pretty big ideas for like maybe a 17-year-old, but I knew I wanted to change and be different to what I – not only was, but what I could see. And not to say that everything I could see was necessarily bad or awful. You know, I have a lovely, loving family, but there were lots of things that I wanted to be that I couldn't see in front of me. So I believed that by doing a lot of self-work or a lot of inquiry, uh, that would help me. And on the road to that, I was able to understand my mind and start to give myself, yeah, a full... um, I don't know, give myself a little bit more compassion and start Mm. to learn tools to specifically support that, to support those, you know, those, those busynesses and those, yeah, those, um, I don't know what I would even call them because I really don't like the word overthinking. I think it really shames and simplifies something very complex, but, uh, I guess for a word that people would understand the overthinking. Yeah, is there, I mean, is there layers to the awareness? So you can be aware that you're in that state and your mind is, you know, how it is and you're observing it, right, but you're really in it. There's still that place where you you are the person experiencing yourself and then maybe there's a observation on that, you know, that, that sort of layer beyond that initial awareness that gives you a different perspective. It's like it's crazy to think that we can think about ourselves and observe ourselves and it's like it's and that's a layer of awareness i just it's sort of yeah i mean it's just it's such an interesting space that it it goes beyond the initial layer that you think yeah and i mean the i think i've spoken about this on um one of your other shows before is this idea that we are ourselves but we're not really the true self is us looking at this human earth side version of self. Now, this is going to sound probably um, like a big idea to a lot of people, but essentially when you do start to deep dive and there is that internal voice that's not your brain running from conditioning or doubt, there's that internal voice of support and knowing and they don't always show up. They're not always there, but often they are more there when you do do practices like meditation or you give yourself the ability to quieten down. They're there a little bit more frequently. And that particular observer is actually, as Michael Singer says in The Untethered Soul, the true version of you. The day-to-day thinking, the kind of the conductor of your day, those thoughts, that action, often it's classified as the masculine part of the brain, is actually the brain. It's not you. It's the brain working on your behalf. 
but actually the observer of those thoughts, the observer of behavior, he argues, and I agree, is that internal part of you that most people won't even know. Like most people won't even give them the chance to be heard because they won't stop for three seconds. You know, really all it needs is a bit of space to be heard. But a lot of people, most people I would imagine, don't give it that space. So for me, talking about going into that person when I'm not doing so well, I won't be able to sit in that true Stacey, that kind of that person that is able to observe what's going on in my internal, uh, I suppose, workshop. Um, I'll know that, you know, that I'm not doing so well or potentially I'm super stressed because there isn't that separation, that I'm living in that constructor. I'm living in that, that heavy, you know, thinking brain and I don't have that separation. That's when I know that, yeah, that maybe my anxiety's fled up or, um, or I'm, uh, I've got something going on. Mm. I mean, it serves us for survival that that brain too, that that you talk that not not the 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 one that he's referring to as the the true observer. Self. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that that thinking mind actually does serve us a lot. And I mean, the seventeen-year-old girl who's having a blackout from a panic attack. What do you think? I think that's probably quite relatable for a lot of parents out there that have young children. Um. What what's the approach there? I mean, just thinking about Ugh. yourself. What did you need? What didn't you know? What wish? What do you wish you would have known then? I wish it hadn't have been giggled at. You yeah. know, there was that. I was twelve when they started, so 12. there would be this kind of idea that I was had a weak stomach. You know, I suppose. Be careful of the stories you're attaching to someone else's experience. Seven years old, four years old, 12 years old. Like you think you know, the doctor might be telling you something, the psychologist might be telling you something, but your best bet's to ask the question and see what is responded to. Like, it, you know, if they're super young, it may not be in the language that is a diagnosis. <laughs> But the only person that's going to be able to give you a diagnosis is the person that's fainting. And the questions I wished I was asked was, how did you feel before you fainted and what happened before you fainted? What was going on for you when that happened? How were you feeling? No one ever fucking asked me. Do you think that was a product of the time? we We are 85 years old. And Absolutely. so that was a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's a product of our parents not having those tools. It's a product of the, the government and the health system not having those tools and also the health system being completely measured by one system, you know, the public health system, which is built on one form of medicine. It's just one form. The form that we go to, that GP, they're practicing one version of medicine. There are a gazillion different versions across the globe that do all kinds of wonderful things for the body. And I'm not saying that the Western health system doesn't do amazing things, but it's just one type. So we had one version then. And even now, people still only see that as the only trustworthy version because, you know, science apparently is the only way to go. And Actually, science is, again, one version of a measuring system. It's just mm. a measuring system. It's not a, 
it's not a it's not the only answer. It's a measuring system of something, you know. Mm. So I think yeah, I think that back then there was God. I think it's unfortunately still not that different, but I do think that there are options that people can go and look for that yeah, my mum and and others around me definitely um definitely weren't uh weren't constantly presented, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and and the challenge which I empathise with of a parent that has a young child struggling is that they're, they're doing their own work or they're needing to do their own work to be able to even be in a state to ask a question and, and be present. Like, that's hard. That is super hard. I mean, what was going on for me other than someone told me off at my first part-time job, I passed out at Safeway because somebody told me off, an older man. But also, look. Let's just let's just pull out the picture. My mum and dad broke up that year. Like there was a mm. lot of stuff going on. Yeah. And no therapy, no one to yeah. talk to. Like it's actually not. Now you think about it, it's not. It's pretty basic one hundred and one. The kid just mm. needed to work through some shit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And I wonder what would have happened if that had have been caught a bit earlier. Yeah. And uh, and then I also wonder where you'd be if you'd really. Well, Gone to town on that stuff early. Would you be, you know, running the well hub, you know, your self-care club? Mm. Would you be as curious as you are now? And Mm. you could say everything happens for a reason. Maybe it does. Maybe it does. Yeah, and I guess guess that purpose or that that version of life of, you know, that almost like that dharma isn't really up to us if we're honest, Mm. you know. So that's a calling. You know, I definitely find that I have a language with people through these experiences that maybe others don't have because they haven't been through similar experiences. I don't necessarily use it as my banner. I have certifications and have trained uh, and are continuing going back to uni again this year. But I certainly pull from a very uh, personal understanding of, of that discomfort inside for sure. I think it's a nice place to leave it. I want to have you back on the show a bunch. And uh, I mean, it's the evolution of us, you know, hunting, hunting hot cops to talking about it, the self. Uh, I love it. I, I love chatting it. with you, mate. I love it. I absolutely love it. Thanks, I mean, we Dave. were chatting on voice notes the other message. I was like, yeah, yeah. oh God, <laughs> podcast. We need a podcast. I'd be like, well, actually. <laughs> well, well, congrats. Um, this will be great. Yeah. Conversation. Thank you for listening. Um, where do you want to send people? at the moment, if they are curious to learn more about you and what you're doing? Well, we open up the Well Hub membership, which is uh, the, uh, I guess, the second round of self-care club. It's the um, signature product that we'll have at the Well Hub. It'll be everything that I um, really believe are the tools for us to feel better about ourselves every day. So, you know, just kind of like a gym for your insides and there's only two intakes. So um, the end of Feb is the first intake and uh, I'd love to see uh, as many people as possible get involved. You won't be fixed, but you will evolve. Oh, for sure. I can promise you that. <laughs> <laughs> subscribe, uh, Spotify. I think it's follow now. Um, follow and subscribe to the podcast. Conversation <laughs> on Instagram. Mate, can you do this for me? I can't be bothered anymore. Can you take yeah, it over? Yeah, yeah. If you want to <laughs> get updated with the latest episode straight into your feed, all you need to do is follow Tom, Tom Versations. Tom Versations? 
Yeah. Conversation. Yeah. Oh, Tomversation, uh, wherever you get your podcasts. I'll edit that. It, you will have heard that back so clean. It, it will have sound like, oh, my God, is she getting paid to do this? Like, yeah, that's going to run as a pre-roll ad as well. <laughs> Good. Good. <laughs> Thanks, Stace. Bye, mate.